2: Hello and welcome to another episode of Bringing the Podcasts. And before we get started here, I just want to say this is our 200th episode. So thank you to all the listeners. I know it hasn't always been the easiest podcast to listen to. We've had our audio difficulties. You know, we've had some. We're not necessarily a professional podcast, but appreciate those of you who who have stuck with us. Of course, you know wouldn't be able to do it without all the great co-hosts that I've had. You know, between Eric Bottom and I think Ty's been on a couple of times and Drew and of course today's co-host JT. So, JT, I really appreciate it. I hope you've had as much fun as I have.
0: Yeah, I it's always a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we we never try to, to, to pretend like we're experts or anything, so we, we like to talk about that, the upcoming games, and that's where we we bring in our guests, and we'd like to thank everybody that, that's been on our time. And today, you know, looking forward to a big game at Oklahoma State, we brought on uh, past podcast guest, Micah Allen. She is the managing editor of Cowboys are at free. Micah, thanks for coming on.
1: You guys are welcome. Thanks for having me. Oklahoma State experts. That's giving me a lot of credit. <laughs> <laughs>
2: hey, just just go with it. Just go with it. <laughs> uh, so the, the Oklahoma State game is always fun for me because, you know, my my little sister went there and her husband as well. And so I always, you know, kind of pay closer attention, I guess, to them than, than probably most other Big 12 teams. And this year, you know, and, and talking with them, it feels like they're... It feel somewhat fortunate and relieved to be 3-0. and You got three wins by a combined 13 points against Missouri State, Tulsa, and Boise State. You know, is that the kind of consensus among Oklahoma State fans right now?
1: Yes, it is very much thank the football gods that we are <laughs> undefeated right now because we really shouldn't be, honestly, especially after last week. There is absolutely no reason in my mind, Oklahoma State should have won that game, you know. But, like I said, by the grace of the football gods, we are 3-0.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I guess, I mean, the big thing is, you know, we're used to seeing Oklahoma State offenses put up a lot of points, especially in these non conference games. And this year they haven't even hit 30 yet. I mean, what, what's what's the problem or any problems?
1: <laughs> you know, for me, I think – the biggest glaring issue to me is offensive line. It's hard to get anything going on offense when your offensive line can't give guys any sort of protection or, you know, from a run game perspective, any holes to run through, you know, I think it, that's kind of where the problem starts. And then kind of where that spirals into is, you know, the fact that, you know your offensive line is, for lack of a better terminology, hot garbage, Um, (laughs) you know, I think that that kind of closes up your playbook a little bit. You know, it factors into what the coaching staff is going to call, you know, and I see a lot of, you know, throwing a lot of blame on Casey Dunn, second-year offensive coordinator Casey Dunn. you know, I I see a lot of shade being thrown his way. And, you know, some of it is justified, yes. He needs to open up the playbook a little bit. But at the same time, you know, what do you expect him to do when, you know, you can't get any coverage or any holes for the run game to go through, right? And then, you know, on top of that, you know, Spencer hasn't been great. You know, they're sort of limiting what he's doing. He's not throwing the ball a ton, which I think is a problem. But, you know, to caveat that, you know, we we have had a lot of our main wide receivers that would be his main targets out. So, you know, who do you trust to throw to, right? You know, so it's a lot of, it's kind of a domino effect of a lot of things. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Nevada can probably relate to those offensive line issues after Saturday, right, JT?
0: Oh, yeah. I uh, <laughs> I definitely struggled keeping the K-State defense out of, at least from pressuring, Carson Strong and opening up any sort of hole in the running game. Although I'm, I am a little surprised to, to hear that a, a Charlie Dickey O-line is, is struggling. That's, I mean, he's one of the best in the country and, you know, we, we got to see him for 10 years here in Manhattan and to, to hear that his line is, is struggling is, is definitely a surprise.
1: Well, to their credit, you know, they haven't really been a cohesive unit in a while. They've kind of been a rotating door of injuries. Mm. starting from last year so you know I think I almost want to say this next week will be the first time this has been the same offensive line in the same spots twice in a while so that kind of makes things difficult
2: yeah yeah and then so you mentioned Spencer Sanders and he actually I believe got pulled that the first game Shane Ellenworth came in but then he's been the guy the last two games you know are they pretty strong sticking with him going forward
1: well so he did not get pulled from the first game he was out from covid protocol Um, Okay. so from my understanding what had happened was he had tested positive done his quarantine but they didn't want him to play because he hadn't been practicing because of Mm -hmm. quarantine and protocols and stuff so yeah But, yeah, they they seem to be, you know, behind him 100%. I'm not hearing any sort of indication that, you know, we might be in a situation where they would, you know, pull him for Illingworth or anything like that. I I think Cynthia Sanders is their guy, and they're going to stick with him.
2: And I suppose we should take this moment to reassure people, just in case anyone missed that the post-game presser, Chris Kleiman, you know, mentioned that Jaron Lewis came in, but that was a planned thing to, to give him a series. Will Howard is still the guy while Skylar is out JT I mean do you think that made sense it's obviously kind of an unconventional move to put Darren Lewis in for a series and when the game was still pretty competitive
0: yeah I mean to see it in the middle of a game usually it's like you know playing series in the second half or you know when or even like really early like you know Howard gets a series and then you know Lewis gets a series back and forth but yeah to like have the three and then have Lewis just do the whole second quarter Seemed like an odd strategy, but it it didn't really seem to hurt the cats. I mean, right. went into halftime with the lead, and you know it like he, he didn't have to do anything crazy. And he he mm-hmm. threw what three passes, and you know just handed the ball off a lot. That, I mean, when you're yeah. when you run the ball for almost 300 yards, you know why why try to throw? So, <laughs> yeah, um, I I thought he did pretty well, and it was nice seeing him get like real live. I think maybe the, the thought was like if he came in late then he doesn't get you know real, you know, under fire game reps. Whereas in the second quarter, like at that every you now every every rep matters. So it seems like Kleiman and the staff are really comfortable with with throwing young guys in there in key situations, key downs, key plays, lots of rotations. So I you know, once once I you know like in the moment at the game I was like, what the crap's going on? <laughs> yeah. and You know, thinking about it afterward and, you know, looking around what happened and talking to some other people I know, it was like, no, that actually kind of makes sense for climbing and and what he likes to do and the curveballs he likes to throw and just to see guys how they react to things.
2: And it was especially weird because I I remember at the drive before he came in, it was a three and out with three straight handoffs, including one on like third and
0: eight. So it was like, what could Will possibly have done wrong there? Right. That wasn't like he had just thrown a pick or something and you're like, Okay, well, it makes sense. It was just, well, it looks like we're being conservative and now we're changing quarterbacks. This is weird. Yeah, yeah.
2: But, yeah, so, Micah, I mean, you mentioned the wide receivers. I think I saw um, one of the guys was taken off the depth chart. They've got a couple other guys that are that have been injured but are, are still officially listed on the depth chart. You know, kind of what's the situation there and how much of a concern is it this week?
1: So I have not really gotten a chance to, like, Take a deep dive into the depth chart, but based on what I had seen last week, I think Bray should be back this week, and so should Tay Martin. Well, uh, I which actually Tay still,
2: Martin? I, if I can jump in here, the pistols firing blog no, posted this afternoon saying that Braden Johnson was removed from the depth chart. So,
1: okay, so yeah, Johnson. I mean, yeah, on. Johnson was. Johnson was gonna be my next point. Yeah, he's still out. Um, okay, I'm sorry. There's a Jaden Bray
2: and a Brayden Johnson. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jaden Bray,
1: Jaden Bray should be back. I think he just kind of like yeah. tweaked his ankle a little bit, so he just kind of. I think he kind of just, you know, sat out last week so that it didn't get worse, you know. So, and then of course you've got you know a, a couple of other guys. Should you know something change and you know maybe Tay Martin doesn't play, you've got. Green, he played in the first now, in the that, first game.
2: So you've got two greens listed. You got a Bryson Green or, and a Blaine Green.
1: Yes, the Green Twins. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and I think that they both, in theory, could play. But yeah, so I mean, you, Oklahoma State's always got some depth at wide receivers. so you know it's mm-hmm. honestly something you worry about too much. But you know, having Tay Martin back would be really, really awesome. Tay Martin is the um, Washington transfer. So he's got, you know, some experience and, you know, that definitely helps. (laughs) Um, Yeah. You know, so yeah, like, let's look here. Yeah, Tay Martin's Martin's on the depth chart. Rashad Owens, he's kind of stepped up to the plate in the past couple weeks in Martin's absence, so I feel comfortable Mm -hmm. with him playing having jaden back would be really good bryson is bryson green is actually ahead of Blaine on the depth chart well it's an or but um yeah. but bryson is the one that's been playing a little bit more um yeah so like i said regardless of kind of what it looks like come saturday because you, you never really know they release the depth chart and then things change right, sure. right? I, I feel pretty okay with our oklahoma state that it'll be nice to get some of those guys back. It would be great mm-hmm. to have Brayden Johnson back, but obviously with him not even being on the depth chart, I don't see that mm-hmm. happening right so
2: now. So it sounds like know. they're maybe as, as strong as they've been since the opener with this. Yeah, person.
1: yeah. But yeah, okay.
2: Yeah. But then, I mean, I think it's, it's pretty clear that that the guy who saved Oklahoma State last week was Jalen Warren. And, mm-hmm. you know, he didn't do a whole lot the first two games, but then he exploded for... 218 yards, two touchdowns. He is a Utah State transfer, you know, had a decent pedigree coming in, but, you know, is this guy for real? Is he... <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. I think he has 100% earned RB1, you know. I see some berry in him with his sort of elusiveness,
2: um, okay. you know, price. his ability.
1: Yeah, 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 definitely. You know, I, I, I believe, I think David Warren is the truth. He single-handedly turned us into Army last week. So,
2: that.
1: <laughs> so, you know, like I said, I just, I'm, I'm a believer in him. And I think he he is 100% earned being running back number one. So I'm excited to watch him grow. You know, he's a senior, but you know, I'm excited to see, you know, what he does with his year at Oklahoma state. And it's nice to have after, you know, losing Ch- Chuba last year, it's nice to have that, you know, Sort of older guy in their running back spot. Actually, you know, both you've got two different running backs. Him and LD Brown are both retro seniors, so you've got a lot of experience in that room that I think has helped mm-hmm. a lot.
2: And then JT, I mean, to talk about the K State backfield for a second. Obviously, Deuce Vaughn has proven himself one of the top running backs in the Big Twelve. But you know, Joe Irvin showed us some things this last week. You know, if you're Chris Kleiman, how do you you know make sure you get hints and touches as well?
0: Yeah, they uh, seem to do a, a lot better job of balancing adding Joe into the game this last week. I mean, Deuce is Deuce is definitely the primary all-purpose back. Like he can catch, he he's going to get hard yards up the middle. He can you know dance around the outside. He's I mean he is Darren Sproles two point oh, and I don't I don't think there's an argument there. Like like he's just that good. But Joe brings I mean a, a, he's a similar kind of back, but. Like Kleiman said, he's he's almost a change of pace. He's a little faster. And so, you know, he can he can shoot those holes just a little quicker. And so if he's if he's running straight ahead, I, I think you know he's not gonna make guys miss on the edge like Deuce will. But you know, if he can get that seam, I think you know he can outrace guys. And then there's still jacartier Wright, you know, he's yeah. he's only had like four attempts, but he's still that big guy, and you've got to respect him, you know, and the especially the that a gap power scheme, they call it duo where you're, you know, you're so kind of between the tackles. It's, it's almost a zone blocking scheme, but you know, he, he's a big guy that you can get some tough yards if you need to. And then, you know, Will Howard, I mean, he's playing a lot like his quarterback coach right now. I mean, you know that he's a big kid. He can run hard. He can get tough yards. He, and he bounces right back up. He's not as, he doesn't look as brittle as some of the K state quarterbacks we've had. I mean, even Skyler, you know, he was a great runner, but you know, he'd get pretty dinged up pretty fast. Joe Ertz or Jesse Ertz before him, excuse me. I mean, you go back, you know, from Colin Klein to now, how many quarterbacks Case State's had that have gotten injured during the year? And Will just seems like he can take those hits and keep rolling and keep rolling. He's just, you know, that big body that can that can absorb those things. So, you know, it's, it's uh, definitely a at least a three-headed rushing monster. And then, and then you throw in like Malik Knowles or Phillip Brooks on those little jet sweeps that they like to run, and they only need to run one or two of them a game, and then they can fake, you know, use it as a fake the rest of the game because you have to respect it because they're going to get ten, fifteen yards on that thing. Yeah. You no, know, it's it's really interesting how they've used so many different pieces in the running game.
2: Yeah, it is. I mean, the nice the thing about Dakari is I feel like he he offers a really different style. You know, I think. I was joking. I think Deuce Vaughn and Bill Irvin are kind of like lightning and lightning. And right and is more the thunder. Exactly. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. So, Micah, I'm curious, as, as an outside perspective, if you're, you know, taking a running back, would you take Brees Hall or Deuce Vaughn at this point?
1: Ew. Ew. I, I'm going to have to go with the controversial opinion, considering the podcast that I'm on right now. But I'm going to be- <laughs> um okay. you know i like i like him a lot so
2: yeah we'll see at the end of the season we'll see
1: yeah <laughs> yeah
2: no i think i think most people would probably agree with you to be honest <laughs> no, but obviously we're far loose over here <laughs> oh <So, laughs> no. yeah uh i guess you know, you talked about the offensive line going up against K-State's new defense that they're bringing out the 3-3-5. Has Oklahoma State seen any of that this year? Obviously, they've seen that some in the past with like West Virginia and I think some of the big 12 cool teams have been sort of trying it out. But will this be the first time for Oklahoma State going up against that kind of front this year?
1: Um, from what I know, yes. I, I, and I'm curious to see how they how they do. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious, curious to see how they're able to, you know, defend that and well, not really defend technically, like <laughs> right. defend. Sure. I don't sure. know, but yeah, you get what I'm saying. I'm curious to see how they do against a 3 C5. You know, I think at this point it's been a lot of, well, they can't, they can't seem to get Spencer through a pocket. Um, <laughs> and so I'm, I'm curious to see if they're able to possibly do a little bit better against a different kind of defense mm-hmm.
2: and, and jt i don't know about you i mean i think that the biggest thing for kansas state has been just the personnel is better this year and that the depth is a lot better too it's great they've been rotating a lot of guys but it does seem like the three-three-five is maybe a better fit for the big 12 and, and all the passing offenses they'll, they'll see don't you think
0: yeah, I mean, you get you a lot more of those those faster guys on the field, uh, the safeties and the, the smaller linebackers that are that are quicker defensive backs. So, you know, especially with the type of offenses that you see anymore in the Big Twelve, I think that like a four two five is fine. We've run that in the past, and and I think that that works pretty well too. It a very you know similar look. It just depends on on where you define that that last rush end. Is it really? a linebacker position or is it a defensive end position? And so uh, I, you know, they call it a three, three, five. I think the way we run it, you could almost call it a four, two, five. It's, it's almost Mm -hmm. identical because that third linebackers often, you know, staying in for run support or, you know, staying in and doing a delayed blitz. You know, it's a bigger linebacker. And so they're, you know, they're, they can mix it up on the line if they have to. And you see a lot of NFL teams running a, a very similar style, like the, guys listed as a as a linebacker like Justin Houston or d Ford, they're listed as linebackers but they don't play as a linebacker they play as a defensive end
2: and yeah so it they're right up in that line where they sometimes can jump when they shouldn't jump right right
0: (laughs) um but uh I, I think the biggest difference is is we're getting just tons of pressure with those front three we're running up like a big D end and then two D tackles and they're just the tackles are just eating up three and four linemen every play. And that's, that's a huge, I mean, if, if you get two guys that can clog up the middle like that, then that allows those other speed guys to utilize their skills. And Daniel green has really come on as, you know, kind of a revelation there at linebacker. He didn't get to, you know, he played in the rotation last year and he was, you know, he was all right, but, you know, thrust into that true starting role and, they, I mean, he's really shining the I mean, the defense does so much better when he's on the field, um, yeah. you know, and then the safeties and, you know, adding guys like Rush East and Julius Prince on the outside, like they really upgraded the, just the overall team speed this year and guys are playing a lot faster. It, it's really a lot. It's really great to see. Yeah. No. And
2: we saw how much Daniel green meant when he was out for a couple of halves because of the targeting for sure. Oh Yeah. So, and I think you made a good point with the speed, and and the reason they're able to do that is because it feels like there's more speed on this roster than there's been in several years. So, yeah, I can't so remember to the, the coaches time. for recruiting
0: that uh, uh, those guys. Maybe like 2012, since the last yeah. time K State's had this kind of team speed across the defense. Just mm-hmm. you know, every position, not just you know a few guys here and there. I mean, we've had some guys here and there, but not like just across the one deep every position. Yeah.
2: And it seems, I mean, that's pretty important against a team like OSU. I mean, normally there's a lot of great athletes on Oklahoma State. I assume it's the same this year, Micah, a lot of of speed on that offense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's been kind of hindered. Um, (laughs) We've been running the ball. We've been running the ball a lot. So, you know, I I honestly, I don't think, you know, we've gotten a big enough sample size of our wide Mm -hmm. receiver core yet to really tell you that, like, yeah, we're really fast. But you know, I, I think that there is some speed there. Well, and you've got Jalen Warren who has shown that he can turn on the Jets when he needs to. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, there is some speed there for sure.
0: Yeah, the, the way these two teams are running the ball right now, K State and Oklahoma State, this is going to look like like an old school Big Eight matchup. You know, <laughs> um, you know, maybe yeah, like except K State's you know not terrible. So that you know, that'll be about <laughs> the only difference, but. You know, just yeah. lots of you guys trying to run the ball and, you know, we'll see if maybe if one of these teams decides to try to air it out a little bit more.
2: It might be the shortest Kansas State Oklahoma State game we've seen in decades. <laughs> <Timeless>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wouldn't mind that. wouldn't mind that at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's, um, let's switch gears. I want to talk about the Oklahoma State defense. First, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. And we're back and, Micah, I mean, the big thing, you know, everybody's talking about how great the Kansas State defense has been against around but Oklahoma State. Uh, you know, by the numbers, has been even better. Uh, I think most Kansas State fans would obviously point to the fact that Kansas State's played this tougher schedule. You know, George Talani of Boise State was a guy who was on the Doak Walker Award watch list. He had a thousand-yard rushing season in 2019, and Oklahoma State bottled him up pretty well. But you know, have you guys seen anything close to the level of Deuce Bond? How, how do you think the running? game will hold up running defense will hold up against Kansas State
1: um we definitely have not seen anybody at his level yet I don't think you know I think that you know looking back at Boise State there were a couple times where they were trying to run the ball and just were struggling to get anything going so they ended up kind of switching it up and trying to you know get a few passing plays in here and there. But overall, you know, the run defense hasn't necessarily been a, a glaring issue to me. I think for the most part, they've been able to, you know, kind of keep their run game in check. Now, like granted, like I said, we ha- I don't, I don't think we've seen anybody of this caliber where, you know, Deuce is like the guy, right? Like mm-hmm. you've got a kind of a marquee running back. We mm-hmm. haven't seen that yet. So I, I'm curious to see if they're able to keep him in check
2: mm-hmm. and what about you know with the defense and, and especially the guys up front You know, Oklahoma State had Trace Ford who seemed like U.S. boys for a breakout year unfortunately towards So, how much of a loss was that for this team I hate to see that, player that it's
1: been back. a big loss there have been a lot of moments where you're like you know damn it I wish that was trace you know like if if trace is there that doesn't happen right you know i I think that overall they've been able to sort of overcome it but his loss is definitely glaring you know at that defensive end position
2: yeah and you know speaking of standout guys you still have colby harvell peel was a all big 12 preseason guy has he been playing up to that level
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think that's going to, so it just got announced after the Boise state game that Trey Sterling is out for the year. Mm. So I think we're going to see Colby, you know, step up to the plate even more so in Trey's absence, you know, and I think that's, he's going to be really needed. So what, and he had, he had an interception in the last game. So he's definitely, definitely trying to play up to that hype.
2: Yeah. And, and JG, I mean, Kansas State had only 61 passing yards after that 68-yard touchdown early. You know, it kind of feels like you may need more than that this weekend. You know, you think that they're up to that challenge?
0: Goodness, I hope so. I mean, K-State's sitting last (laughs) right now in passing offense in the Big 12. um, What? It's not us? No. (laughs) Oklahoma State is eight, Kansas is nine, K-State is ten. Like <laughs> yeah, it's, it's that bad. Um but you know it we gotta figure something else out. I you know, the way these two teams are playing defense, like I said, somebody's gonna have to try to air it out a little bit more, try to get a few more yards through the air to give their running backs some room because otherwise it's gonna be it really is, it's gonna be like a seven to three kind of game or something, you know, where or six to three, you know, where you know somebody gets a key turnover. That ends them up in field goal position, and that's about it. You know, it, it can be pretty brutal if one of these teams can't figure out how to move the ball successfully through the air. Yeah. Well, it's
2: kind of crazy. I mean, I'm looking now at this Oklahoma State depth chart, and it looks like all but one guy is a senior. Am I seeing that right? Or maybe two. two good.
1: Yeah, this defense uh, right? is old. I'd say old. <laughs> it's an it's a upperclassman defense for sure. There's, you know, a couple of non-seniors like Mason Cobb. He's a sophomore mm-hmm. at linebacker. You've got Jabari Are Muhammad. most of the
2: seniors re- returning starters then?
1: Uh, yeah. I'm looking right now. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much everybody started last year. I believe, okay. if I remember correctly, Buck Martin missed some time last year with injury, but he was uh-huh. he was good from, uh, that was toward the end of the season, if I remember right. So yeah, they all have starting experience.
2: Okay. And so, you know, obviously it's only been three games and they haven't exactly faced any great offenses yet, but so far from what you've seen, this is the best Oklahoma State defense since win
1: I think. Oh gosh. <laughs> Probably since last year. <laughs> yeah. Just in my opinion, last year's defense was one of the best defenses Oklahoma State's ever had, at least since I've been really <clears throat> keeping up with OSU. Yeah,
2: you are younger so, than us. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm 25, and I did not grow up an OSU fan, so I've been following okay. Cowboy football since, like, 2014. Okay. So it's definitely – last year's defense was definitely one of the best I had seen and so I'm going to say that this defense is sort of carrying on that momentum from last year
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay yeah it definitely seems like it's it's shaping up to be a defensive battle I think I saw that the, the over under was somewhere in the 40s or something which seems like
0: 45
2: yeah which I guess is low for a big 12 game but still seems a little high for this one <laughs> we'll
1: yeah i'm 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 hammering that under <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I i don't i don't think yeah i don't i don't yeah i don't see mm-hmm. that
2: unless well, there's <laughs> some turnovers or i know i mean VT. it feels like i don't remember the last time kids state was three games into a season without a big special teams play yeah like
0: yeah so, we're really surprised like i mean it's Nobody's broken free yet. I mean, Philip Brooks had one against Southern Illinois that was darn close and then he got tripped up at the last second. But yeah, it's but some of that's like you know, they're facing fairly decent kickers that are putting the ball through the end zone. Like you can't and Nevada clearly wanted nothing to do with K State's return. Oh, they they punted they punted out of bounds every single time. Yeah. Like like straight up. Like, well, yeah, we'll take a fifteen yard loss. <laughs> I, instead of so punting the ball to Phillip Brooks, like, it was, it was obvious, he was just kicking the ball out of bounds. Yeah.
1: K-State, like K-State wins on a kickoff return, confirmed. <laughs> or not on a kickoff, on a, on a, on a, yeah. On a punt return, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> and I'm going to cry. <laughs>
0: I think Mike Gundy's going to pull something crazy like his predecessor at Oklahoma State and just keep punting to K-State even though they've returned one or two.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I, I Tom Hutton is a good punter. He's been fairly decent this year, so hopefully he just is able to get it in the end zone and nobody can yeah. touch it.
2: <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, but before we let you I did want to ask you um, actually a non-football question about Mike Gundy. I mean, to me, one of the bigger upsets was Mike Gundy becoming a fairly strong pro-vaccine guy. Did that, surprise you? I mean, it seemed like he was skeptical at first, but credit to him, he's he's been uh, supporting that. So, as far as I can tell.
1: so I'm going to be honest, <laughs> I. Am hesitant to truly believe that Gunny <laughs> is actually pro-vaccine, okay. right? <laughs> I think some of that is a "don't say anything stupid."
2: <laughs> well, at least know? he's listening. Uh, you know, he's not a Rolovich guy.
1: Right, right, right. <laughs> and, and, and 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 you know, he I, I I believe he is vaccinated, which is good. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that at least like, like, like you said, at least he understands how important him coming out and saying something about it is, you know, as you know, we're going through this super tough spot where, you know, you've got a lot of people who are skeptical, you know, it's important that people that those people would trust come out and say something, you know, so props to him for that, for sure.
2: Mm -hmm. It's been good. So, uh, yeah, we're gonna see. Uh, I guess this will be K State's. It's it's interesting. People, um, this will be like the first real road atmosphere for, you know, some young guys like Deuce Vaughn. Since last year, they didn't really have that. Obviously, so yeah, expecting a big crowd in Stillwater this Saturday.
1: Yeah, they're really, really pushing for a big crowd. I got an email the other day. I can't go, but I got an email the other day that they're doing like fifty dollars tickets and. You know, Gundy has been doing a lot of tweeting about, you know, he wants to stay in full and he wants it loud. Oklahoma State's a tough road environment. You know, you've got shout-outs to a lot of people. You know, I, I think it'll be I think it'll be rowdy. It's the first conference home game. So, you know, I think there's going to be quite a few people that come out. Yeah.
2: And, and JT, I don't know. I mean, how much do you think there is to that? Like Guys like Will Howard and Newsball haven't been in that environment. Is that something we should be worried about? Or?
0: I think it is. I mean... We saw what happened with you know Southern Illinois at the beginning of the game against K State two weeks ago. Uh, even with Carson Strong last week, uh, mm-hmm. this past Saturday, with you know the crowd noise in Manhattan, you know it, it clearly disrupted them at least early on. There were certainly you know there some false starts. There were you know mishandled snap. I mean, like you know, even good players can struggle against crowd noise if they haven't had to to face it in a while. And basically nobody had to face it last year. So any right. of these freshmen, any, you know, these first few years and clearly even longer term players that that haven't experienced in a while, I think it's, it's going to be an issue. So uh, hopefully, you know, they got used to practicing a little bit with it, you know, the, the crowd noise in the stadium. And but I think it could be at least an issue early on until they figure out how to handle that extra crowd noise. Yeah.
2: And, and since we're talking about crowds, I think we have to bring up JT. How does, I mean, you go to games, how does K-State fix the problem of, you know, the the empty third quarter bleachers when people are still out
0: in the parking lot getting their beers at halftime? You got to prevent them from going out. I mean, that's the thing. Like, We didn't lose fans at halftime last year that, you know, in the, the limited capacity that we had because they sold beer at the stands are in the you know the concession stands and they didn't allow pass out, so you couldn't go out to your car and come back in. If you left, you were gone. So you know people stayed. They had their beer from the concession stand and and they enjoyed the game. And that's what everybody else you know around us does. You know that you go to an Oklahoma oh, State yeah. game, you can't go out to mm-hmm. your your tailgate in the middle of the game and come back into the game. Like once you leave, you're gone. But you can mm-hmm. buy beer at the you know the concession stand. Yeah.
2: Yeah, we'll see how that, how that goes forward. Uh,
0: well, all right. I
2: guess, uh, you know, moving forward to the game predictions, let me tell you, I, I saw that line yesterday come out and I immediately contacted one of my best friends in Iowa where sports betting is legal and I sent him $50 to put money on Kansas State plus 8.5 because I thought that line was pretty ridiculous. Oh, uh, yeah,
1: it's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> So, I was like, um, "We're favored by what now?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: it feels like the only way that happens is if, is if Lou Howard makes some stupid turnovers, which not impossible, but I, I think I don't think it's going to happen. So. I think he's
0: started enough games now, and yeah. there's enough good leadership around him that I mean, there will be mistakes, especially early in that game. But I don't <laughs> I don't think they're going to be critical game-changing, oh, my God, what's going to happen kind of mistakes. Like we saw even against, like, like Baylor last year when the things just started to break down um, or, you know, like the defense just couldn't hold anybody, you know, stuff like that. So I don't see that kind of thing happening, but I do see some struggles early that they'll have to, you know, K-State will definitely have to dig out of a, maybe an early hole.
2: Right, right. Yeah. So with that being said, Micah, you want to give us a prediction for this game?
1: Okay. So don't ask me who I think is going to win because I have absolutely no clue. But the score <laughs> is going to be seventeen to ten.
0: <laughs> that sounds reasonable. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Seventeen yes. to ten, and somebody is going to win on some fluky special teams play. <laughs> Why
2: well, I like Kansas State odds if, if that happens? <laughs> so. Yeah, but uh, yeah. We'll see. All right. I, I think that's about all I've got JT. You got anything else?
0: No, I, my score prediction is about the same. I was thinking, you know, like mm-hmm, 17, yeah. 16, you know, yeah. seven, somewhere in there, but yeah, it's going to be a low scoring slug fest. It, it's definitely going to feel very old school and it's, yeah, it's going to fly like, yeah, just good. Cause it's on ESPN plus. So I want to get off that platform <laughs> as quickly as possible.
1: Yeah. <laughs> same.
0: For
2: sure. Yeah, I guess maybe, Micah, we we should ask you. You know, how do you feel about your rivals leaving to a different conference?
1: Good luck and good for you. <laughs> literally, literally, the literally the Olivia Rodrigo song. Good for you. That's yeah. how I feel. about <laughs> That's a for the banger.
2: That song. I'm telling you, <laughs> it's a banger. But yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, sounds good. Uh, thanks, JT. Thanks, Micah, for coming on. Appreciate it.
1: Thank you guys for having me.
2: Hopefully we get 200 more episodes. That'd be great.